0: we've passed on all we know a thousand generations live in you now and we're going to do everything we can
1: to get us back on track and get us winning a football games and getting back and compete for the
0: championship it is your destiny the knights of den podcast with sayer benninger and brandon keckler Bronco's Country, what's up? We are the Knights of Den, and just like at the end of The Last Jedi, man, there's there's looking like there's no hope, but you know what, Brandon? Something's about to rise. Mm-hmm. It's got to. It may not be this week. It may not be in the next couple weeks, but something is going to rise in Bronco's Country. I don't know. I, I just feel it, man. I can't believe that you were able to pry me away from
1: the trailer. To do this
0: episode,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I've got the energy, man. I'm ready to like. I wish the Broncos would like be the equivalent of the scene of all the ships just coming together to like just do battle against the darkness. But (sighs) Uh, alas,
0: we are losing ships. Yeah, we are losing. (laughs) We're dropping like flies, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh my.
1: Yeah, it's a rough. It's it's definitely it's definitely the dark times here in uh, Broncos country, checking the pulse and the frequency of the fandom and uh, the franchise. We're uh, we're in the dark times,
0: but, you know, we're here to help you navigate through the dark times and into light. Exactly. Yeah, we'll navigate through these dark times, and I think, you know what, someday we'll be able to look back at this stretch and be like, you remember those years after we had Peyton Manning? Wasn't that funny going through that and thinking that it was never going to get better? I think that that's the hope that I'm clinging to right now is just the eventually things will get back to the way they should be. I mean, it, hopefully it's not a, you know, Cleveland Browns situation or Houston Texans situation or you know all these teams that have never never won anything. I can't imagine it's going to be that way. I mean, there's things good things are in place in Denver, okay? There, there's some pieces in place and it's just right now it's it's too much of a mix of the old and new and just like kylo said man you gotta let the past die so i think well i
1: think we need to kill it (laughs) we (laughs) We might need to kill Kill the past aka um fire cell thanos snap um destroy and and fully rebuild
0: so so walk me through this here. You you watched the game with a Chiefs fan?
1: Oh gosh, I did.
0: I I watched the game in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we were thinking, man. I don't know. Was
1: it is was it the same for you as it was for me?
0: <laughs> you know, throughout the day, I, I was wearing my Philip Lindsay jersey around at this conference that I was at. And uh, you know, I got a lot of comments. It was pretty you know in all in good fun type yeah. stuff nobody was mean to me or anything but i mean it was kind of like it's kind of like they all knew you know ah yeah just another Broncos. it's kind of like how we used to treat raiders yeah fans, you know, or chargers that's depressing it's another broncos fan yeah i feel sorry for the guy he's got a broncos jersey yeah on.
1: thinking he's has a chance <laughs> uh, <laughs> i remember oh, i remember yeah. those days man I remember those days. Yeah, I uh I was I was held and massaged by the Chiefs. <laughs> she was con- <laughs> she was actually pretty cool. Um I would have talked a whole lot more smack had we been winning. So she was a good sport and was actually like comforting me through my defeat. So
0: mm. yeah. That's what you need. We all need a friend like that. Yeah. We all need a friend like that. I I can't remember the last time I laughed at the Broncos for something. I remember was, uh, I remember. You do? What, I what was I yours? I
1: I think we've talked about it before in the pod, I had the psychological fracture during the Super Bowl forty eight game and started laughing <laughs> hysterically. <laughs> I swear, I still remember to this. I didn't know, I didn't have any other reaction. It made no sense to me. Going into that game with the number one offense in history and we had zero at the half and we're, like, clearly going to lose this game, like, I broke and just started laughing. It was probably, like, something, it was, like, a scene that you'd see in, like, Joker.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it was, so, so for me during Super Bowl 48 I started playing Flappy Bird that was when I got really good at Flappy Bird <laughs> I don't know if you remember that game but Re- that you I got redirected really
1: all power to the Flappy Bird engines
0: <laughs> yeah I think I had destroyed my phone screen at that time just you know how hard I was tapping it tapping yep. it get that stupid bird over the stupid Mario tubes you know oh. but um, yeah I, I so during this Chiefs game there was a holding penalty on Garrett Bowles one of his you know, three or four or whatever it was in this game, this particular game. And uh, by the way, Garrett Bowles has got to be one of the team leaders in tackles this season. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's. It got to me. It, it was so funny to me to see him. He was. I don't remember. Know if you caught this play, but he was so twisted up by this defensive lineman that his left hand, I'm pretty sure, was on the guy's right hip, and his right hand was on the guy's left shoulder pad uh he was just so kitty wampus on the play that i couldn't i couldn't fathom did you just bust he, out
1: kitty wampus oh i <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's the kind of the state of the denver broncos right now wow. is kitty wampus yeah you know
1: well pulling that out of the archives right there
0: yeah yeah I'm trying to paint the picture as best I can and the only way to describe it and then the best part of it, I I don't remember if it was the same play, but the best part of it too was when he looks at the it was like he looked into the camera and did kind of the you know, the shoe hand, yeah. you know, he's like swats at the camera, like, mm-hmm. get out of here with that. Like, Are you kidding me? He has such a bad attitude. Uh, yeah, he does, man. He he really does and it it's become abundantly clear. He thinks that guys are the that officials are targeting him or whatever. I, I I don't understand what he doesn't get, you know? And I can't I can't believe a coach like Fangio. Of course the alternative is, you know, the devil we don't know at this point, but a coach like Fangio, can you even fathom how he's handling mm. the situation with Bulls right now? I mean, Nick, I can't. Nick Kendall it.
1: today I saw a tweet from him said it, said it best. He's like it would be a, it would be a downgrade in talent but an upgrade in accountability.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Like, I, it, yep. I
1: mean, i kind of definitely probably paraphrase that, but I thought that was a good way to say it. I'm like, dude, that's, you yeah. know, there isn't going to be a more talented uh, or at least ta- potential for talent um, that we have on the roster to replace Bulls, but it'd probably be really good for accountability for him to get him to get punished.
0: Yeah. Well, they did it to Isaac Yadam, and it worked out. I mean, uh, benching Isaac Yadam seemed to unearth a – potential starter in Devontae Bosby going forward before that that freakish injury and then you know they they allowed Josie Jewell who was kind of neck and neck with Todd Davis all offseason for you know the linebacker one spot they let him get Wally pipped by Alexander Johnson yep so, well, is
1: isn't it interesting that if um Bosby's healthy and Callahan's healthy, um dude, the would be like the fifth corner on the depth yeah. chart now.
0: yeah, he's talking yeah. about, yeah, he's falling hard. He has he I mean and and speaking of falling hard, dude, like we gotta we have to talk about Joe Flacco and the big debate on my Twitter timeline today and over the past few days, and even honestly since the start of the season for for detractors and supporters and apologists alike like is joe flacco the problem or i mean is he at least part of the problem or is he a victim of poor circumstances and i'm interested to know your thoughts on this because the ravens without joe flacco are flourishing mm-hmm. and the broncos are looking a lot like the ravens of last year probably worse I'm interested to know your thoughts on the whole argument of whether or not Flacco's a victim of circumstance or is he the problem? Is he part of the problem? What are your, what's your take on that?
1: Um, well, I definitely don't think he's a victim of circumstance. Um, I think that like he came in and I don't think there was a lot of people holding out hope for him to like step in as the franchise quarterback But I think even people like yourself that, like, audibly groaned um, when we grabbed Flacco, um, especially combined with your positivity, kind of tune yourself to a frequency of, like, you know, like, maybe we could get, like, some solid play out of Joe, you know, with some of the weapons we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. looking at, he's not even going to need to be like to pioneer a, a passing game that saves our offense. I mean, we've got um, arguably the best tandem of running backs. Um, I think when when everything is, is, you know, firing on all cylinders, we've got this dope duo of running backs. So mm-hmm. we didn't even really need him to um, do too much more than be a serviceable guy that made an, the occasional good throw. Um, and he hasn't even been that. Like I think we were talking earlier today that there's just there, there's yet to be a single game where it's like, oh dude, Joe balled out even like even in a loss like Joe played pretty well. Like I think our most of our excuses for him has been he didn't blow that game. You know, for some of our first few episodes and, and for the for those first few losses is, you know, people would like to point to him as as not being the savior of the game, but we were defending him in the sense of, yeah, but he didn't he didn't play horribly. You know, in this mm-hmm. game he played pretty bad. So I think to to take the sample size that we have now, I think that he's yet to elevate Whatever he has, and I, I honestly don't think he has that bad of a situation. So, as much as as much as the O line could be playing better, and um, uh, Fant could be doing a little bit better, you know, which I, mm-hmm. I know you never should expect too much out of rookies. Um, I just I think he's got a decent amount of weapons around him, and he's yeah. he's been. At best, mediocre. Yeah, so I, you know, yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't want to say that it's circumstances at all that he's the victim of. I think he can come into that situation and do his best to um, use what he has. And and again, we're not we're not even relying on him to be. I know I know the quarterback's the centerpiece of of every. You know every team but at the same time like we've I think we've probably built an offense that tries to lean toward his strengths and is even kind of capped and limited by what he can and can't do and and not that Scangarello's been the best but um I think he's done a decent job of, of of scheming wide receivers open um and Flacco's just flat out just missing a lot of these guys, so I don't know, man. Um, I, I don't know if I fully concluded that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's a victim by any stretch.
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely with you on that. I think that the biggest thing, the the most eye opening thing for me over the past couple of weeks has been not only how uninspired he plays the game. I mean, you you and I both pick up on you know, kind of like the emotional intelligence, the emotional IQ stuff pretty easily, I feel like. Flacco seems to me, I mean, like like Fangio said, when he's when things are going well, he's Joe cool. When things aren't going well, well, he doesn't care, this and that. And that's the perception from the outside. But at times, like, perception is the reality of the situation, man. Like, Flacco, you your team is playing at home on primetime against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's thirteen to six, and Patrick Mahomes is not in the game. And what's the first? It was ten to six. It was ten to six when Mahomes went out. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And then they get, and they got that field goal to yeah for, with more out there. They they held him to a field goal in that goal line situation. Yeah. So so they get the ball back, and the first thing that Flacco does is take a sack. And not only did he take a sack, but it was a strip sack. Because he misidentified the pre snap blitz from a linebacker, and the linebacker swats the ball out of his hands and picks it up and takes it in for a touchdown. 20 to 6. Mm. Pretty much felt like it was game over at that point. Because if the Chiefs are getting a defensive touchdown with Patrick Mahomes not even in the game, like all Matt Moore has to do is go in there and not turn the ball over and hope for a few first downs throughout the game because the Broncos' offense looked as bad as the Titans did the week before. The only reason we even scored points is because the Chiefs had two drive-extending penalties. I think they were both on third-down plays mm-hmm. on that first drive for the Broncos, and then we took points off the board. I thought it was funny, dude. We we were up 7-0, to zero, and we outscored ourselves 0-1 to negative one throughout the rest of the game. Yeah. So if you want to take a positive away from the game... We did outscore ourselves, you know, <laughs> from that point on. So wow. I, I just, I just think for me, like Flacco, man, you. It's not that he has to go out there and be all rah rah, and he doesn't have to be getting in guys' face. He doesn't have to be doing that kind of stuff. But like, show some urgency, okay? This is l- listen to this stat, dude. This is one of the craziest stats I think of the game. Nine sacks in the game. One of them came on our punter, which, by the way. Oh, my gosh. We'll talk about that later. That was another. Yeah. I, I laughed at that as well. So uh, there were eight sacks on Joe Flacco. Eight. Okay. Five of those eight sacks, he held the ball for at least three seconds or longer. Five, And, and the, the general rule is, for those of you who don't understand maybe what I'm saying there is, the general rule is if you have three seconds with the ball, any sack beyond that point is the fault of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And another one of his sacks, 2.88. Another one, 2.71. I mean, it's incredible to me. He's he's holding on to the ball so long, and it wouldn't be such a big deal. And you could even blame some of the amount of time that he's holding on to the ball on the fact that, well, he's – you know, trying to avoid pressure, he's you know, running around back there. That's not the case. He's not moving. Yeah. He's not moving from where he's standing. And no. he's just a sitting duck out there. And that frustrates me more than anything because there was a clear point. That one where game. he
1: backed up and like just tossed oh, it. Yeah. And there wasn't even really significant pressure. That's when you step up in the pocket and freaking fire it. But step it was just up. like, oh, he fell back and just tossed it like well over somebody's head. And I'm like, dude, like that's like bad rookie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's the kind of general point I think and we'll we'll make it later. The general point of the the whole issue here is eventually the Broncos have to run out of patience here with that kind of with that kind of play. It doesn't it doesn't matter how long Flacco's been in the league, dude. Like I could care less what his resume says at this point. The NFL, we all know, it's it's all about what have you done for me lately. Yeah. And to me, Flacco, what have you done for me lately? Well, he's played like crap. He stinks. Yeah. He's not doing – he's got one touchdown pass, I think, in the last three games. Yeah. And how do you survive in the NFL with that, man? Yeah.
1: And I guess he's been – I mean, it's been an uphill battle for him, Um, you know, losing the job to the rookie and then coming here to a brand new team, you know, brand new players, brand new situation. Um, You know, if you got to – you got to – at least have some degree of empathy for, like, the struggle he went up against. But at the end of the day, man, if you can't get it done, um, like, Eli Manning, you know, should have been benched probably, like, five years ago, yep. you know, and they yep. they stuck with their boy because of the resume. I mean, I think we all – the eye test has been clear for years that Eli needed to go. You know, and they still held on and waited and didn't want to get a rookie like in a, t- a top top pick to you know I don't know mess with his mentality or whatever the reason you know. And then sure enough, they grab Daniel Jones, they give him a little bit of chance to to go in, and then they put Jones in, and Jones is doing good. So I mean, mm-hmm. I know it's I know there's a lot of variables in those situations that are different, but it reminds me of that, you know, holding on to a guy and and expecting kind of more because of the resume, but really it's I think we've seen enough of a sample size, and this game was just made it blatantly obvious that it's just he's not the answer, and now I'm hoping yeah. that we have our own Daniel Jones and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and Drew Locke that's getting to getting to
0: full health. By the week, yeah, we need and we need it badly. You know, there was a point during this Chiefs game where I, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Honestly, I haven't even gone back and watched the the game again, which I'm I will eventually get to, just to see. You know, just to prove the point. You of how poor bad
1: unfortunate out. soul. I know. I wouldn't I wish know. that
0: on my enemy. I know. I can't. I can't. Like I said, I haven't been able to get in there and do it yet, but... <laughs> I went to
1: work the next morning, and, and um, for for those that don't know, I, I run a bar, and so I went into work, and I turned all the TVs on, and they were all still on NFL Network from the previous oh, night, no. and I'm telling you, man, like, I looked at the TV about like almost on accident just out of like boredom just kind of glancing over like three times throughout the day and every single time it was like either patrick mahomes injury Mm -hmm. replays of the night before or you know Mm -hmm. and it just every one of them made me sick to my stomach Like i'm not even looking at that tv i'm not purposely looking Mm -hmm. at that tv all day long so i would not want to go back and watch that depressing game
0: Right, and it was it was made way worse by the fact that it was a season-defining game. Yeah, just like last year against the Chiefs at home, you know, <sighs> it was a season-defining game where we're either we're either pushing this thing to you know a split of two games between us and the Chiefs for the division lead, mm-hmm. or we're pretty much going into fire sale mode, going on the road against. It was the that much of a dividing team. line,
1: and I think it, yeah, was, it, it was, was it was in a, it was an it was an especial tease. Um, you, you couldn't have chalked it up really any better for us to take that momentum um, right. it, and by, by winning that game. I mean, not only do you have the 2 games winning streak, not only do they have the two-game losing streak, not only are we at home, and not only that – but Patrick Mahomes goes out in the beginning of the game. Like, mm-hmm. you could not have chalked up a, a better script. And I was thinking, like, as soon as Mahomes went out, I was like, watch, we take back this game, we're going to smoke them, and then there's going to be a huge asterisk by this game because because we were losing when Mahomes went out, and it's going to mm-hmm. set up us up for a really good rematch later on in the season against Mahomes. Wrong. <laughs> nope. Awesome. We couldn't could have even beaten the backup.
0: So, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the guy who they were bragging on the broadcast was hired by the Dolphins in their scouting department and was entering his career as a scout in the NFL before the Chiefs called him off the streets, dude. Like, and he didn't, like, take the game over. He looked better than Flacco. He did. He looked better than Flacco. He played with more passion, more fire. The play where he stepped up and made an improvise because that played a Tyreek Hill. That was improvised, dude. The, he was dead to rights. Any quarterback, any other quarterback, I'm pretty positive would have taken a sack on that play cuz that was a great pass rush. And he steps up in the pocket and rocket fires on a backyard football. Yeah. Get open on hut, bull crap play. And sure enough, Tyreek Hill standing there wide. I mean, and that was on Chris Harris too, and and I don't blame Harris for that because how do you defend that? I mean, it's just a it's backyard play. Your coverage held up for what should have been a sack. Game over. Play over. Yeah. So yep. Embarrassing on many many levels, man. Yeah. It, it just utter embarrassment, and it's led to now we're getting to the point where we have to start considering the future. But I know we were before that about before yeah, that. So yeah. we have our usual elective
1: segment where we give out star Wars themed awards and, and, and what a night it could be for star Wars themed awards on the release Mm -hmm. of the uh, star Wars trailer, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little button at the end of the podcast. What, what a better night or there, there really could be no better night besides maybe on December 19th. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when the rise of Skywalker actually debuts, but, We conferred together, and to be honest, nobody in this game (laughs) deserves slash is going to get any awards, because one, we stunk, and I I can't think of a good, memorable performance from anybody, unless we're handing out Jar Jar Awards to literally everyone that was wearing a Broncos jersey, and and a Broncos coach, and Broncos everything, I, I deserve a Jar Jar Award for even believing that we were gonna win that game, <laughs> um, and I'm not gonna sit here in in my, um, I don't know, my stubbornness, uh, and give any awards to any Chiefs. I'm just yeah. not gonna do it, you know. Nope. Um, so that we're we're not <laughs> we're not doing a Star Wars award segment on this episode. So no. I we just refuse. We refuse. No It'd be bad for everybody.
0: No. All parties involved. You get this, like I said before, man. This is not a second-grade soccer team. Okay, you're not getting any. No, no participation trophies. Ones. No, in the National Football League. No, exactly. The 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 Chiefs just beat you with Matt Moore and LaShawn McCoy, who's well past his prime. And you know, I just I can't stand it. I'm giving I'm the,
1: giving a chosen one award to J.J. Abrams for.
0: Yeah. The movie he's making right now. And that's about it. That's all I got. I think that's well, well-deserved, well-deserved for JJ, who is truly the MVP. So, I'm with you on that. I, I think, and and your use of the word conferred plus Kitty Wampus earlier, we're really on a roll, absolutely on a roll, and giving the people what they want, mm-hmm. so... I'm feeling it, and uh, I'm going
1: to give a, 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 a couple Qui Gon Jinn awards to um, Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris mm-hmm. that for who are potentially about to get executed by John Elway and sent to other teams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, I mean that might be yeah.
1: <laughs> that might be on the only other awards I got for you guys tonight.
0: <laughs> The Qui Gon. Just so we're clear, the Qui Gon was created specifically for this episode. <laughs> it's a rare, it's a rare award that they give out.
1: It means you, uh, yeah, it means you get bladed, day. bladed by the Sith, and uh, yep. it looks like that might end up happening. But yeah, I would can, agree. So that leads us and segues us perfectly into this final segment of mm-hmm. where do we go from here? Once yeah, more, yeah, where
0: do we go from here? Literally, as a show and as a team. Um, I, I honestly, man, it's so we've got to be sellers at the trade deadline. And this is the thing about John Elway that, you know, I respect before the season begins. And then as the season progresses, I lose respect for his for this stance. But and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know the exact quote, but he has said before that there's no time to rebuild in the NFL. And I just don't agree with that. Mm hmm. I think especially right now, you're sitting at 2-5. and five. The Chiefs are better than you. Uh, unfortunately, the Raiders are better than you. And you're not looking at a wild card spot because there's plenty of solid teams in the AFC that are better than you. So why not send off Emmanuel Sanders, who still has value, to a team that's desperate for him now because in the off season you know that Sanders is not getting 10 12 million dollars on the open market so your compensatory pick is going to be garbage so just trade him now and the same for Chris Harris Jr like this is Mr. 13 games we talked about that on the last podcast that we did after the 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 loss in week 3 where he said you know I've just got 13 games left here you know That that to me indicates on a deeper level like he would rather not be there. Even if he says that, you know, it was just the heat of the moment, I'm sick of losing, blah, 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 blah. Well, if you're sick of losing that bad that you would say that out loud in front of all your teammates and your coaches and the media, like you don't want to be there, in my opinion. And so unfortunately, I would be okay trading both those guys. What's your what's your take on that?
1: Um, I I think it's time to play Madden, man. Hmm. I think it's time. I think it's you get into it's easy when you're uh, you're playing on a franchise and these are little computer bots, but you're looking at the roster. Trade trade deadlines coming up. Um, I'm always looking at I'm always looking at where I can trim to get better for the future. You know. Yeah um i watch i i I keep my boys until they get to a certain age and then even the guys that i love dude i'm already i'm already getting excited about some young cats that are underneath them and wanting to get them some more playing time and then turning those old vets into draft picks and just keeping that cycle going so Mm -hmm. you know i think it's tougher in real life you know with players that we love i i really i really like emmanuel sanders um I really like Emmanuel Sanders, and he's been really fun to watch. But I think it's been inevitable that we were going to be losing DT and Emmanuel within a year or two. When we grabbed Sutton and, and Hamilton, and, and I know we haven't seen too much from too much from Hamilton yet, but Sutton's Sutton's a baller. We're we're gonna be continuing to improve. I think the the wide receiver core um, in the coming years, but it's I I think I've already in, in totally in touch. With the, the frequency of losing Emmanuel for a while now, that it was mm-hmm. eventually going to happen. So I think it's just about the right time where there's enough teams that need him and his trajectory is only going to drop off um, as far as what he's going to be capable of ev- every year from here from henceforth as he's, you know, th- what, 31? Yep. Um, yep. So that one's easy for me. I think we. I think you. I think you turn him into into whatever draft capital we can get. Um, Chris Harris is tough. I, he is. That that's that hurts my heart a bit, and it hurts my heart that he wants to go. But I also totally understand it too. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's already won a ring with us. He's given his heart and soul to this place. That it you know gave him a chance as an undrafted rookie, and he turned that into you know being just about the best undrafted corner in history. Um, that he's he's done so much for this place, and he's also won with us, and he's been at the top with us. That I can see him looking at the fact that he's got a few more years, you know, mm-hmm. to, to probably two two definitely guaranteed years. Um, man, I would being a part of these past few seasons as a fan's been rough, let alone working your butt off to shut guys down and and other people on the field are consistently blowing it. That's gotta yeah. be rough, man. Um, oh, yeah. it's gotta be frustrating in a way that, that maybe he might be just about the most frustrated of everyone. That's pissed at how, how things have been. Um, He's out there, just you know, giving it giving it his all to do his part, and it's not good enough for the whole because of other people outside himself. In that situation, you kind of, I I can really empathize with his desire to sever ties at this point because he's not leaving us and cutting us high and dry to go to greener pastures as if he's like bailing on us and betraying us. He's paid his dues here. He's yep. won a ring with us. He's immortalized in, in, in history. He'll probably, even if he leaves, resign with us before he retires and, and retire a Bronco. So I could get wanting to go somewhere else and go to a better situation. Um, after the, after having suffered through the past three years, man. So yep. as much as that breaks my heart, it, it, it also makes sense because if he's already looking at it, like I think before the season started based on his contract and us not resigning him to a multi-year deal kind of thing, I think it was already even before that those first three games when he said that, um, it, I think it was already assumed by him that he's going to play one more year for us and make it, his, make it his best. And then after an 0-3, he's just like, dude, I can't wait for the season to be done. Yeah, You know, so... so that one makes a lot of sense too. I think those both make sense. One hurts my heart a little bit more than the other, but I think they really both make sense. That if you're not going to be competitive this year, it, it, your commodity, as much as as much as it's not always the best, to just simply view these guys as as strictly commodity. But they all have of certain value point when it comes to the way that you got to run a franchise and the commodity. Once you get past a certain age, we all know it, it lessens and lessens. So you can trade that commodity at a high point and get get some good compensation. And I wouldn't blame the Broncos if they pulled the trigger on either of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing too is that the value of cornerbacks on the trade market is really high right now. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, who's obviously a younger player, went for two first-round picks to the Los Angeles Rams, the Baltimore Ravens plucked Marcus Peters off the scrap heap, which, I mean, him getting a pick six in that first game that he played for him, that was pretty awesome for yeah. them. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then the Houston Texans just traded a three for Gary and Conley, who is about to be benched by the Oakland Raiders, who already don't have a, a good set of cornerbacks. So... I mean, the going rate for a corner is high right now, regardless of your playability, regardless of your situation, uh, regardless of the team's leverage, really. I mean, what leverage did the Jaguars have to get two first-rounders other than the fact that they were going to force him to stay there for the rest of the season and then trade him later? It's like they created that leverage. I think the Broncos are in a really good spot with Harris because Benjamin Albright put out there today – Course teams are calling the Broncos about Harris. I mean, we're getting we're a week from the trade deadline here and he's one of the best players on one of the worst teams. Yep. So of course his name's gonna pop up. But he, he said that the value the Broncos are seeking is higher than what the Texans were willing to pay. And the Texans it doesn't say too Texans, much. It well, the but the Texans went and traded a three for Conley. So if they were willing to pay a three, that says to me that the Broncos are asking at least a three and more, or at least a two. Yeah, and, and for, don't for the Harris.
1: don't the Texans like not even have anything more than a three, right? Like I mean, I don't well, know the exact situation. have to situation, look it up. But I know they've yeah, been. Yeah, I don't know for sure. They've certainly been sitting off all their <laughs> picks for players. They're in totally in yeah. win now mode. Um,
0: oh yeah, yeah.
1: But I wouldn't give I wouldn't give Harris up for a three, especially to a no. team that can contend that can contend. You're getting you're getting an elite shutdown corner this year. Um, what what he is in terms of the next several years, you know, is obviously suspect for in, in a in a question mark for all players. But um, you're you're getting somebody this year that's can help you go, get to a title. So
0: mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take a third. I wouldn't either. And I, I think that the Broncos would be content to hold on to him if they don't get a two and I, I ultimately i know a lot of people are saying right now that the sense is that the broncos won't trade harris but i'm telling you what man I, i've got kind of just like a gut feeling about it I, I don't know what it is i've got kind of a gut feeling that we're gonna say I, I think we all know that sanders is out you know we've seen him on twitter posting the you know the stuff about trade rumors and whatnot and even Kliss admitted that they're likely to trade him. So it's like if we're hearing it from him, you know it's probably going to happen. So Sanders I've made my piece about, although I will miss, miss him. Like you said, very fun to watch. Awesome player. Helped us win the Super Bowl. But the Harris one, man, that's like – I mean that would be like trading Rod Smith. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how could we do that? Yeah. Yeah. So – tough calls ahead for John Elway in the front office and uh, and honestly is it good for John Elway to trade Chris Harris with the state of the team right now and and kind of his uh, approval rating among the Broncos fan base what would you say what would you say to that is it really a detriment to his case? I I
1: think it's I think it's mostly noise from spoiled children yeah I mean that sounds harsh and I'm sure I probably offended people saying that just now um, I mean, he's just put together a couple really solid drafts back to back. Um, I want to see I want to see where he goes with these with these pieces. Um, Vic Fangio in his first year and Scangarello in his first year. Um, I want to see where they develop from here. I think we got some progress and momentum going. I think they're largely capped by by Flacco's um, limited abilities. So I'd like to see what they do with Drew um, going forward. I just, unless, I mean, you really think, what do you think is, is more detrimental? Chris Harris tr- um, being traded by Elway or the the crazy ownership situation firing Elway? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, unless Elway walks away and, and hangs it up, you really think that's the right PR move of all times when the ownership conundrum is even worse state than I think Elway's position mm-hmm. um sir, you know what I mean I just don't I don't think that they would do that I don't think that they would fire John Elway from the Broncos um, from just simply yeah. not being able yeah. to fix the Broncos, in, in the years since Peyton's left, I think we've also made some progress in drafting a couple drafts well in the, in the past couple years that I think that gave him enough of a – if he had bombed the last two drafts, I think we'd all be looking at this different. Yeah. I think he's done a good job in the last two drafts, and I think the players love their coach, mm-hmm. and I think the, the more rational Bronco fans love our coach too. So I think that we need to give this whole situation some more time and see what we got in our, in our rookie quarterback. I just think we're spoiled, man. I mean, there's only been two teams. Two teams that have won Super Bowls since we've won Super Bowl. Mm. Two teams. You know what I mean? That's 30 yep. other teams that have failed to to land a, a, a ring. You know, it's it, – I, we're used to winning, and I get the quality standard, and I like the quality standard. It's, it's a huge reason why I'm proud to be a Broncos fan. But yeah. to to we all everyone, especially in outrage culture 2019, wants to find somebody to point the finger at and blame. And I think that a lot of people want that to be Elway and have vilified Elway in that way. Um, and not that he's been – Not that he's been spotless by any means. He's definitely made mistakes. Mm -hmm. But what have we been saying the past two years with Elway and specifically the criticisms? We want to see how he rebounds. We want to see how he responds to it. And so far, I think some of the worst things you can say about him have been bad drafts. And he's rebounded with good drafts. Bad coach hiring in um, Vance Joseph. He's rebounded mm-hmm. with a better coach hiring in Vic Fangio. So I think the nailing the quarterback thing is something that people still hold on to. But if Locke comes in and does a good job and looks like he can be our franchise quarterback, um, then you really don't even have that to say against him. So, I mean, I know that there are some some more valid criticisms. I'm not saying he's, he's clear of all criticism. But I, I've I've right. been more concerned with him growing and um, you know learning from his mistakes, which I feel like he largely has.
0: Right. Well said. Yeah. It's it's exactly what it is. It's exactly where we're at. I mean, we're we're at the point now where it's like, do we ditch all the progress that's been made over the last two years and just consider, you know, Elway's failure from 2016 to 20. 20- 18 to be a lost cause completely and I just don't think that's I don't think that's the case you know I don't think there's the the Broncos obviously were picking so low from 2012 to 2015 in the NFL draft that it was like it's kind of a moot point to me to talk about our lack of ability to draft you're you're picking so low and you're drafting for a specific roster built around Peyton Manning to win now Mm -hmm. that it's like well you're not you never had to rebuild you could win 12 games with just Peyton Manning and guys like Jacob Tammy out there catching passes doesn't it didn't matter and so it was it was a different type of building for Elway at that point so like I don't necessarily blame him especially because all those draft picks from 20 from 2011 to 2015 they played such a key role on that Super Bowl team mm-hmm. the the winning the Super Bowl winning team even even Ronnie Hillman man i mean he was the leading rusher on that 2015 squad people forget and he had a ton of clutch touchdowns that season that if not for Ronnie freaking Hillman we're not winning the Super Bowl and same is true of Brock Osweiler without Brock Osweiler we don't yeah. win the Super Bowl yeah so it's just like, you know what? You sell out to win games. It doesn't matter how you get guys, and it doesn't matter how long they're with the team. Look at Matt Stafford. Would you rather have our situation for the last five years or, or the Detroit Lions since 2009? Because they got the number one overall pick after going winless. They got Matt Stafford, who's got every physical trait you would look for in a QB. By all accounts, he's a smart dude, understands the game really well, loves the game, great teammate. Everything you would look for in a franchise QB, Matt Stafford's the guy. Would you? Whose situation would you rather have? Yeah. And I think that's the obvious situation here. And so it's not like we're trying to grade Elway on a curve necessarily. It's the fact that, dude, it's hard to find good players in the NFL in general. It's yeah. especially hard to find good quarterbacks. And it's not like he's had the opportunity to draft all these superstars other than guys who were – Kind of mid-round steals for other teams, like dude. Seattle was going to start Matt Flynn over Russell Wilson. I don't know if people understand that. Yeah. Um. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they were going to just let me let you in on a secret. They were going to start Tony Romo over Dak Prescott until Tony Romo basically broke his collarbone. Yep. And right. so it's just it's it's hard to find those guys, and and fans aren't appreciating how hard that is. They think it's just a matter of. Well, you look back. You look back, and you see how good these guys have become. And it's now easy to say that Elway should have tried. To, he should have drafted Russell Wilson in 2012, because we would have been. Well, if you draft Russell Wilson in 2012, how long does he sit behind Peyton Manning? Right. You know. So the circumstances can't always be transferred exactly as they were. These guys go to these cities, and they get put in these situations, and they thrive in it. It's not necessarily that well Russell Wilson would have become Russell Wilson in Denver or New York or LA or Seattle or Dallas it doesn't matter. So it's just not this, it's not the same everywhere in my opinion we can't say that it would be. Right. So that's I don't know that's my rant on the whole situation with Elway. I know I kind of we kind of got I we got I, in an It's Elway I thing.
1: I think sometimes you especially cuz we're not we never script this, you know, we always have mm-hmm. kind of our bullet points to hit and it's like, well, talk about Elway. Sometimes you got to orbit around it, you know, yeah. to really figure out like what you really think you kind of got to like play with it and, and, and see how, um, so I think we both kind of did that where it's just kind of circling around to see what we can draw from it and what we can mm-hmm. figure out. Cause it's a complex issue, man. I, yeah. I wish it was a singular subject. You, you drop it and, and you've got a definitive conclusion, but this is, you know, these are some these are some tricky, um, sensitive subjects right now in Broncos country. Right. But I think that when you put us in comparison with the other franchises, um, I mean Elway. I, I know everybody will, that's that's the hit some of his detractors like to say, "Oh, well, if he didn't have Peyton, we'd be looking at the whole situation different." But you know, Elway takes us to two Super Bowls you know over the span of his mm-hmm. you know first chunk of years he you know is it has a major hand in building you know the great arguably one of the greatest offenses and arguably one of the greatest defenses of all time um you know f- to lose to build up those pieces and build a team to win now um i think the bi- i think my biggest critique of elway and and you you i think you hinted at it earlier um has been the refusal to admit the rebuild Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I will absolutely give credence to to criticism toward him is that he has not fully switched into rebuild mode. And that may have been and probably definitely was detrimental, I think, to the team. Now, is that a is that an executable offense? You know, Elway thinking that he could power through and beat the rebuild and having to go to a rebuild. Right. You know, like I almost kind of like the balls on him for thinking that he could do that, but it, it was uh, he, you can't, you can't. There was no mm-hmm. magic number seven that you could throw at powering through the rebuild, and I think that's now where where we're soberly and, and conclusively at. But I also think. This, these past two drafts, and and Vaughn even still—I don't want to say necessarily Vaughn's in his prime. He might be starting to go on the other side of prime. Um, but Vaughn still got, I think, five solid years in him. Yeah, absolutely. For how good of a freaking athlete he is and the position that he plays, I think he could still play. For, when, when would Demarcus Ware go out? Was 34, Thirty six. Oh, okay, Thirty four. Yeah, okay, Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think Vaughn's I think Von's still got some in him. I think we got Chubb. Um, you know, I think we've got uh some weapons on offense that, you know, are either in their first or second year that you build off of, and you know, hopefully we got something in Drew. So I don't even think we're at a terrible position for having to do that. I just think we really need to admit and and we're probably gonna have a high draft pick. and top picks at the top of most rounds. So I think we're going to end up being in a good position that it's like you just got to get value out of the old guys that you can and you got to build around the pieces that you've nailed on in the past couple years, and I think we've nailed on, you know, at least half a dozen. Um, Mm -hmm. Half a dozen to, you know, probably 10 players that you really could – lock in as as just solid pieces of this team going forward so you know i think we build around that we we, this is not 25 year old prime chris harris anymore he's still really Mm -hmm. good but he's going to be dropping you know his his, he's not going to have as much speed um same with emmanuel sanders this is this is older 31 emmanuel sanders You know, we got it. We got to convert those guys into what we can get from them. Send them off to greener pastures, send them off to teams that need them now. Right. You know, that's exciting to them. I think it's I think it's a good mutual decision to get some good value for our future and to give those players to championship caliber teams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's
0: not like we're going to lose to them in the Super Bowl. Right. And that's where I, it's it's hard to even come to grips with this fact. But like I've I've even come to terms with the, the, the idea that okay we could you know we could get a third round pick from the Patriots. All right, let's do it. Like I don't even care if we trade with the Patriots, because what does it really matter? I mean, we're not playing them in the playoffs. We don't we don't even have any regular season games, and the reason we don't is because we're not first place in our division. So it's. It's humbling to think, but there, there's a reason we're not intersecting paths with the Patriots lately. It's because we stink and they don't. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's come to that point where I just don't even – I don't even care. I mean, just get the, get the picks that we can get. We've already got four top 100 picks next year, and um, we've got our – hopefully our QB of the future. He's got some weapons like you mentioned. We just need to keep building. If we go three straight years with a top 10 draft pick – I mean good things are bound to happen if you're if you're hitting on those picks and it looks like you know we've hit on a good percentage of them at this point. So And who
1: knows what the Skengrel offense is going to look like with Drew? Right. You know, who knows what they, we're going to be able to do um you know moving forward with that offense what Vic's going to be able to do with this defense with another year of of draft building and free agency. Yep. He now yep. knows way more what he has and the guys that he has. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that I'm excited already for just the progression and the development of what this coaching staff could do with another year of continuity. That's where it's like, you know, say we bomb out this year, which which is looking fairly likely. We bomb out next year. Um, We lose. (laughs) We got to fire Vic. We got to fire Rich. That's when you'd fire Elway. You know, I could see, I could see them straightening out the ownership situation, and if this year's a bomb and next year's a bomb, whoever comes in as the new owner, it's officially Pat's daughter, or it's you know they sell the team, they come in and they stabilize the situation by cleaning house and basically admitting admitting a full rebuild, right? Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. could see that, but you know what? Like that's where I feel like it's entirely too early. Um, with with this new coaching staff and potentially maybe our new franchise quarterback and most of our now young studs on offense being kids, you know we we just got a freaking stud guard and, and Reisner, you know, um, we got to freaking get rid of Bulls and, and do something else with that. But I I feel like we've got I feel like we've got some young cats to build off of and, and a coaching staff that has shown me enough with the pieces they have in year one. You know, when has when has Vic Fangio ever come to a team and turned that defense into a number 1, top 5, really even top 10 in its first year? Mhm. He t- he comes true. in, he makes progress, and then he freaking takes them to a top 5 in in the first th- in 3 years historically. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. I mean I remember last week prior to that Chiefs game, weren't we like four in like a bunch of defensive categories? Yeah. That's yeah. already a massive improvement. And he doesn't even have the pieces he needs. He doesn't even have the pieces he has. With the good, with you know not even having Callahan this whole season so far, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. losing Chubb, you know, things like that that he hasn't even had the pieces that he has, let alone all the pieces that he wants. So, and he's already made us into at least going into last week we were number number 4 on in a bunch of defensive categories. So I want to see the I want to see the progression. I want to see them add more pieces and more continuity with the players in those schemes. That like that gets me excited. So,
0: anyway, getting fired up over here. 100%, 100% consistency on the roster is is somewhat key when you're rebuilding. You know, you don't need to necessarily keep everyone around, but like keep for for a guy like Fangio you do have to have some of the same defenders in place. You know, those those guys are growing within the system. That's why we saw players like Eddie Jackson really take off there. I mean, dude was a fifth-round pick in the NFL draft and probably should have been taken higher. But part of the reason people say that is because he spent so much time in that defense and growing with those guys, and they all just meshed perfectly together. And so it it wasn't like they're a ragtag bunch of dudes, but I remember a time when the Bears were looking to get rid of Kyle Fuller, mm-hmm. and now he's considered one of the best corners in the game it's yep. because Fangio and Ed Donatel really turned things around for him. Yeah. So it just takes time, man. It, it takes time, and and it's not like the Broncos are devoid of talent. You know, A lot of their talent is hurt. A lot of their talent is inexperienced, but I think that they have talent, and I think they have stuff to build on. and And I like what Fangio brings to the table, and I think that – that you know what the, the old saying is, winning cures all, all ills. You know, it's it'll eventually come around to that point. But I think that right now those guys who won Super Bowl fifty have kinda of developed into bad apples in a way. It's not like they're it's not like they're trying to be bad dudes or anything, but they've tasted and they've seen. They've been to the promised land. They, and they can't force anyone to go back there with them. So they have to, they kind of have to get placed onto the team that's headed back to the promised land, mm-hmm. and I, I get that, I understand that. It's, I mean, they're they're kind of starting over in a way. So they they joined a contender, they resigned on a contender, and now they're stuck on a losing team. Yeah, and that's tough. So it's, it's, it's part of the game. It's part of the business. But I'm with you, man. I, I think that there's there's plenty to critique Elway on. But certain things that fans they overblow the the worst thing is the hindsight drafters on Twitter. And and guys, if that's you, gals, if that's you listening, don't be a hindsight drafter. Don't be one of those person people who's like, you know, we should have we should have had this guy now, but I was never. Quote tweet to
1: me when you said that before the draft. Right. And then I'll give you credit. You know, yeah. like every everything's 2020 after we see all that, we can look back. It's more that people are looking, they're looking to execute Elway, and, mm-hmm. and they're finding, you know, using that hindsight, they're finding as many reasons why things could have been different. But it's also really zoomed in to just our franchise because you look at a lot of other places, we're freaking spoiled. We're freaking mm-hmm. spoiled. Yes, the past three seasons have been rough, but... Would you rather have made the playoffs the past three years and, and be the freaking, you know, the, not that the Chargers won, but some a team like the Chargers that's never even won a ring, you know, right. that doesn't go to right. Super Bowls? You know, is, yep. is that what you'd rather have as, as a team that stayed competitive the past three years, but has never had had the, you know, whatever it takes to freaking get to those rings? So that's where it's like, I just think that let's get rid of bowls first let's get mm-hmm. let's let's get rid of Flacco um let's and, and when I say get rid of I mean let's find their their replacements you know let's let's trade off Emmanuel and and maybe Harris and get some value for them um let's see what we got in lock there there's so far down the priority list to me is is like replace Elway as if finding a great GM is just this
0: easy thing to do right you know yeah yeah exactly yeah, Ozzy Newsoms, they don't grow on trees, okay? And it he had he's had plenty of duds in his time as well. You know, he's the guy who's who stuck with Flacco for many years, you know? Like, he won a Super Bowl with him of course, but I mean he stuck with him probably past his due. And I mean it's it's And what GM would wanna come tough. to our ownership situation? Oh yeah, no, exactly. You know
1: what I mean? It's just like there's there's so many variables that have to play out right and it's the probability is is very low that mm-hmm. getting rid of Elway would improve anything at all. So it's like yeah. I'd rather stick with our boy that's shown signs of progress and has has put together a couple back-to-back solid drives and has brought us to two Super Bowls in his in his limited tenure. Was it still yeah. been less than 10 years?
0: Oh, yeah, 2011, yep. Yep, we got a couple years. And and not to mention the, the, the NFL is coming up on a potential lockout. And Elway's already – he was a first-year decision-maker member of that 2011 lockout. Mm-hmm. So he's already been there, done that. So if we're looking at bringing in a new GM to start a rebuilding process with a lockout on the way in less than two years, like – I don't know, man. I just, I I don't think people really think through a lot of this stuff, you know? You, no. It's, and it's, it's understandable. I mean, we want the quality, like you said, that quality standard of winning that Pat Boland, would Pat Boland stand for this? I mean, Pat Boland fired Mike Shanahan, he would fire John. U- I don't know. I don't know. I mean,. I'm just saying we can't put words in the guy's mouth, and we can't say what we think he would do. Obviously, there was also a win, very
1: but- specific reason where you know Shanahan had focused too much on offense, hadn't really had really neglected the defense. You know, yep. like it's it wasn't just a general. I don't know. I just I I don't see I don't see it being. I know there's been a, some rough drafts. I know there's been some rough drafts, but. With the two good ones, I wouldn't see Pat stepping in this situation and seeing that it's a downward trajectory. Where that's what it looked like with Mike. It looked like the trajectory yeah. was was yeah. dropping fast. Um, as far as what him him letting our D go, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I just I, I yeah. don't see it. I don't I don't I think that Elway is not the f- it, public enemy number one. For what needs to improve about this team And I want to see him work toward Some of these other solutions And I want to see what happens With Locke And I want to see what happens With, with Vic and Rich getting a second year To get more of the players There's only so much you can do In one free agency in one draft mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. So I, w- I want to see those things first Before I think that it's at all rational To, to just think you can burn Elway And, and get better
0: Right, right, and and speaking of wanting to see things happen, dude, we got to talk about the rise of Skywalker, the final trailer. I mean, I'm already talk about ready. Epic.
1: I'm already ready to get off this podcast with you and watch it again. And watch it again,
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude. It's good. Yeah. It was
1: good, man. It was. It good. was good.
0: Um, how did it? How did it meet your expectations? Honestly, I when I was texting you earlier. I was kind of trying to think up some expectations in my mind. And then you reminded me of the importance of kind of going into these things with a a clear palette. Yeah. If I I I would have gone in wanting to see something specific like Anakin, for example, which I think subconsciously I wanted to see a sign that Anakin was in the trailer. But at the same time, I wasn't disappointed by the fact that he wasn't. Because I, th- I still think ultimately we'll get that. But at the same time, the things that they included in it, just, I mean, if if I wasn't drawn in before, man, I was definitely drawn in by this. It, The visuals in this one are pretty stunning. I yeah, mean, they from are. The, from the flip that Ray did in the first trailer to the just the massive amount of ships and the different scenes. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful movie. It does. It really does. It looks like they put a lot of thought into every single detail as well. Which, as a, you know, as I've gotten more into the, not necessarily just not necessarily the books. I've read a couple of books, but like the, the lore, baby. Yeah, and, you're, yeah you're, the you're, lore. You're deepening. Everything.
1: You're deepening your your knowledge of the lore every day.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I appreciate, man. I can see those details. Went, and like you said, the reason we watch it so many times is. We want to catch those things. We want to catch those Easter eggs that are in there. So when well, we uh, also I want to see JJ
1: thought. improve from The Force Awakens with his his lore yeah. being strictly found in the old trilogy, and I think that's mm-hmm. to me, it. This movie looks like a a wider Star Wars movie, and and not white like wider Star Wars wider uh, wider range you know of, of pulling from the palette of previous Star Wars movies it, it, I, you know there's the battle droid behind C-3PO and there's just I just I get more of the sense of, of the holistic aspect of, of the whole Star Wars universe so I think that especially for something that's going to crown and, and cap off the saga um, that's something I was looking for you know with, with JJ kind of taking What he did really safe and solid in The Force Awakens, which was just a really – probably the tightest um, Star Wars – that's Disney Star Wars so far. As far as like start to finish, just a solid movie um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time lacking in – but just boldness and risk so it's a, this movie looks like it's that balance between like a very very solid abrams movie but him taking some more risks and drawing more from the wider star wars universe so that gets me excited and it just looks yeah. fun man like the it looks it like you're gonna go on one heck of an adventure we were talking about this earlier like you got the sand planet that might be Tatooine from from the first teaser. You've got frickin' looks like Bespin and Cloud City in that shot mm-hmm. of Kylo and, and Rey cutting down whatever they were cutting down. Then you've got that weird like ice planet or ice space meteor or whatever the heck that was. That's so cool. Then you've got the whole frickin' down Death Star water thing. Then you've got the crazy frickin' epic – looks like the greatest – Space battle in the history of cinema is what we're about ready to witness in about a month and a half.
0: And and how could they do anything less for the final installment of the Skywalker saga than to bring in the best Star Wars? Truly, I mean the the in the most literal sense that there ever could be. Right. Just nailing it. Mm. Just nailing it. I just I feel like. I know there's plenty of skepticism from the previous movie. You and, you and I have talked about that so many times. You know we've preached to the choir. Being, you know, I, I ask you about it so that I can hear you reaffirm, um, you know, the negative detractors. Yeah, I'm a prophet of um, the Last
1: Jedi. The love yeah. of the Last Jedi.
0: Yep. So I just think this is going to galvanize. I really feel that. I feel. I feel we're going to galvanize back together as one fan base. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna. It's just gonna. It's gonna be incredible.
1: And before that, we got Mandalorian, baby, which we were just talking mm. about. We're gonna be able to ride the Mandalorian right into Rise of Skywalker. So, I mean, this is our last. This, I I know we have Star Wars Resistance, but don't get, I don't want to get started on a tangent of how <laughs> disappointing that shows. Um, I think that as soon as the Mandalorian hits, man, like that's the end of like the Star Wars drought for a while, dude. We just yeah. get like nonstop Star Wars every week until yeah. Rise of Skywalker, which is awesome
0: yeah and then we can at that point we'll be able to go back to the well to rewatch and mm. learn more with disney plus i mean shoot it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time like i've never besides having all the dvds growing up as a kid i've never had access to everything star wars that i could possibly yeah. imagine oh
1: at the at your fingertips yeah. got cl- you gotta get the DVDs for this one then you got to get them for this one and you're missing this one and you still don't have the TV show all the episodes of this and then it's on Netflix and it's off Netflix no dude you got Disney plus you got it all
0: yep yep so and- how about this here's this here's a timeline for you November 12 Mandalorian releases November 15 is episode 2 which is also my birthday A couple weeks after that I head off to Orlando. And I'm gonna be at the uh Galaxy's Edge mm. over Thanksgiving. Mm. Mm. And then, you know, a month after that is Rise of Skywalker. And so you know, truly And you know it's so great stars.
1: to bring this full circle mm-hmm. to to the Bronco Country realm is that what a perfect time to give us something great and yes. glorious to distract us from what <laughs> may be a rough rest of this season. Exactly we need it we need it it's going to be we the perfect it. balance to the force i feel
0: like that is a great point where there is terrible evil which is the broncos losing i believe I, that's not that's no fault of the broncos that's just evil at a foot um there has to be good which is star wars mm. and, 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 and
1: the light to meet it yeah yep. so we're gonna go through the dark times you know the the empire is taken over Um, The NFL I mean the Patriots just obliterated the Jets um, Minutes before we started this podcast um, Destroyed um, Darnold I think that there was a really great tweet That I saw earlier that was like Here's all the players That have outscored Darnold this week Andrew Luck Brock Osweiler Blake Bortles Tim Tebow Christian Ponder Tyler Thigpen Kevin Kolb David Gerard, All the words, Jim, Jim Everett, Rex Grossman, Kyle Orton, <laughs> Derek Anderson. Oh, oh but gosh. anyway, the dark—the dark side is here. The dark times are here. But you know what, man? It's always darkest before the dawn, and the dawn That's is right. coming. The rise, the rise of the Broncos is on the horizon, and it is. like I said in the beginning, we're here to deliver you through the dark times and uh luke skywalker's coming and it might be drew lock drew i would love it drew luke we might have to (laughs) we might have to call him but uh yeah lock or lock skywalker how about that lock skywalker Skywalker. yeah the rise of skywalker and it's gonna happen right as drew lock returns from injury man
0: we might be on to something here yeah yeah, I would be down for that. Oh my God! The
1: force always Everybody corrects is. itself, so Man.
0: you know, especially in Broncos country. You know, we lose Elway, he retires, and the gods bring Peyton Manning.
1: Hmm. Hmm. That's a great note. I mean, we could just we we could just end it right there. This is mm-hmm. I, all that needed to be said was said. Lock Skywalker's coming. The rise of Skywalker, Skywalker is coming. <laughs> the rise oh. of. Lock uh we lose we lose luck and we get lock skywalker Mm. in the same year well thanks for hanging out with us um the brightness is coming man the brightness is on the horizon we got even if it's just in the form of some really good star wars stories to distract us from the dark times Um, Good things are coming And eventually the Broncos will get better So we thank you guys for hanging out with us For spending your precious time with us And as always subscribe um, Let us know Give us some feedback If you got any thoughts We value your thoughts We value your opinions We value your criticisms So thanks for hanging And as always God bless and go Broncos